Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. Welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello. Hello. Coming up on today's show, Scott Disick is dating, yep, another teenager. Then Justin Timberlake's apology and Aussie Magazine's huge Meghan and Harry blunder. And then a big bumper discussion about the Bondi paparazzi. How Aussie tabloids and their seedy photographers are slowly and insidiously influencing how you think about women in the public eye. But first, Zara McDonald, how was your week? Well, would you believe we've been probably in and out of lockdown since the last time we've recorded? (laughs) What are the chances? I mean, we are recording this on Wednesday. News is looking good that we're out. So I hope by the time that everybody is listening to this podcast, you and I are free and all of Victoria. Exactly. That's why Annabelle is not here today, by the way, guys. She'll be back next week. I know you're all loving Annabelle on the podcast and so am I, especially when we're having a debate and I can just throw to her and be like, Annabelle, are you on my side? Yes or no? (laughs) (laughs) Who wins? But, you know, I came back into lockdown and I thought, I've got a whole weekend to spend here. And even though we did, how much of lockdown did we do last year? Like six months. Look. I can't even remember. It's all one big amorphous grey blob. It's such a blur. I realised I don't know how to spend my weekend. Like I don't remember what I did (laughs) last time. And then I got to the end of this weekend and I thought, oh, that's what I do. I literally sit and do nothing and stare at my phone for two days straight. (laughs) So that was my week. I do love that. Do you have a recommendation for me? I absolutely do. I've been watching a lot of stuff recently, which I don't normally do, but I guess that's what pandemic it does to you. I watched Holding the Man on the weekend. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. But I heard a lot about this after we recommended It's a Sin on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. We received heaps of DMs from you guys, many of you telling us to watch Holding the Man. Am I right in thinking it's Australian? It is Australian. So I think my mum has been trying to get me to watch this for about five years. It's one of those things that's always been in my periphery. It was made in 2015. It is Australian. It was starring Ryan Core. Do you remember Ryan Core? Is he the Aussie actor who's in fucking everything? Packed to the rafters. Yes. <laughs> And He's got the spider tattoo or and something he was on like, his arm. I can't remember who he played in Pactor Afters. He was like a random member of the – like he wasn't in the family but he was just always around. I think he played like the kind of edgy boyfriend that was a bit of a bad boy who then reformed and became good. He was a bit of a bad boy. So anyway, back to Holding the Man. Holding the Man is based on a true story. It's adapted from a man called Timothy Connor Graves' 1995 memoir about his love story with his partner John Callio. They were both Xavier boys in Melbourne and they fell in love at school and the story sort of tracks their relationship through the AIDS epidemic through a really tough time for gay men and gay people across Australia and just all of the hurdles they had to face in order to keep their love alive. It is sad but very beautiful and I just love that it was Australian too. Mm, I imagine the fact you dropped in that they're Xavier boys. If you are listening from outside of Melbourne and you're wondering what that means, Xavier is an extremely prestigious 
private boys' school. Yeah. And I'm imagining that's important to the story because they're quite conservative at that school sometimes. Quite religious generally. Yeah. Like the school is religious, but I, I think that the families that tend to kind of send their kids there, particularly in the era that Tim and John went to the school, were very religious. So mm-hmm. that you can imagine then the families that are raising these boys who kind of are really affronted by the fact that their sons are gay is a crucial part to the story. It's on Stan and I really couldn't recommend it more. It's got people like Guy Pierce, Anthony LaPaglia, Sarah Snook from Succession in oh, there. Oh, God. With your Don't least favourite show. Me. Literally before we sat down to record this episode, I said to Zara, I've tried again. I think this might be my third or fourth time trying with Succession. Mitch and I got to episode three and we we are never trying again Please with that show. Please keep trying. It's no. one of my favourite shows of all time. I just don't care. Anyway, I will watch Holding the Man because that genuinely does sound really good. Thanks so much. How was your week? My week was good. Not much to report. Oh. Just been at home. I, after hopping on this podcast one too many a time and talking to you about the importance of bees to our environment and how they pollinate the world and how we have a shortage of bees and we need to save the bees, the bees somehow ended up flocking to my apartment and landing in one of the nearby bushes and planting a little nest. And so this week, Mitch and I were not only locked at home, we were locked inside at home because there were bees everywhere and I had to organise a bee man to come and relocate (laughs) It is a bit of a shame when you don't have much to do in lockdown anyway that you can't even go in your own backyard. Like that is such lockdown luck. I feel like that should be a thing, by the way, lockdown luck. But I, I feel like the bees knew that you'd spoken about them for so long that they just descended on you thinking that they'd have a fan in you. And then I took to my Instagram stories and wrote like quite sarcastically, quite tongue-in-cheek, fuck the bees. And all these people came for me thinking that I'd like backflipped on the bees and I was now not supporting them anymore. I'm still pro-bee. I'm just not pro-bee in Michelle's backyard. That's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair as well. My recommendation of the week is also agriculture related. (laughs) And welcome to an agriculture (laughs) podcast. I think everyone should look into plant delivery services because I didn't know these existed last Nor did I. I did not know. I did not know that you can go to a website or go to an Instagram page and organise for like plant fairies to come to your house and give you plants that are suited to like your light and your space and kind of help you with the whole process. Wait, so you don't buy them online, they come and consult? No. So I went through one brand and disclaimer, as always, guys, this is never, ever sponsored. So we never, ever take money for these recommendations. I just love this business. So I went through Pop Wilder. It's like a traveling jungle. It was like this van filled to the brim with plants. They open up the doors. They bring out all the plants onto the street. Hopefully, probably smart business. I think they're hoping that neighbours will see and come out and like like an ice cream truck, but for millennials, right? That's awesome. Yeah. So I went outside and obviously it's lockdown, so they couldn't come into my house, but I could kind of like explain the space, show them the space, show them how much light. And then they recommended all these plants to me and I spent an obscene amount of money, but also now I'm super stoked because I look around my space and it's just full of greenery. I had no idea this was a thing. I know. And it's perfect for lockdown. It's like made for lockdown as well. That if you guys are looking around your space thinking, God, I wish I could go to Bunnings right now and get myself a plant, just call up a plant delivery service. There are so many of them. Pop Wilder was amazing, but I'm sure there's one in your area too. What did you Google to find it or did you get recommendations? I asked for recommendations from the people following me on Instagram. So I understand that is a luxury. (laughs) (laughs) This is is privilege. (laughs) This is Instagram privilege. privilege. Instagram privilege. Instagram privilege. I'm sure if you guys look up some plant delivery services in your area, there will be some great recommendations. <laughs> you couldn't even Google yourself when you're asking everybody else to Google, but sure. You know what? Maybe, maybe before we move on, we can do a service for the people. We can do a question box on our Instagram, mm-hmm. get some recommendations and then put them on our stories. Is that what we do? You know the issue though, this is such a city slicker problem. We're yeah. going to come up with all these metro suggestions and then our poor regional listeners will okay. be like, you know what? Google it. <laughs> Onto our hotline this morning, Mish, because this is one of my favourite hotlines in a while. This is from Hermani, and you need to listen to this one. I am calling in today as a very mad person because I have not finished Gossip Girl yet. I started watching during quarantine and I still haven't finished it. And I have been very careful to not give myself any spoilers whatsoever. And I listened to today's episode and guess what I get? A huge spoiler. But apart from that, I absolutely adore your podcast. I could listen to it all day. I'm still sort of mad about the spoiler, but I can pretend like I didn't hear it. Michelle, just to (laughs) recap the listeners, last week you came in and said, 
ex-person is Gossip Girl. I'm hardly going to re-spoil it on the microphone now. And said, fuck you if you haven't finished Gossip Girl. Everyone knows who Gossip Girl was. Marnie, I'm sorry, but there needs to be like a timeline on this. Gossip Girl would have finished over 10 years ago. If you pass the 10-year date, spoilers are allowed. It's been a decade. I should be allowed to talk about this. I think it's in a kind of sweet spot now 10 years on that you can probably try to avoid it, that people aren't talking about it as much. (laughs) Hermione, you didn't leave us your email address when you left this voicemail. If you want to get back in touch, I will send you a personalised gift to (laughs) apologise because I know there's nothing worse than, you know, spoiling something. I have friends actually who recently tried to watch The OC from the start knowing nothing that happened, tried to watch it fresh and they got maybe two seasons in but then had the DVD versions I think or we're just looking at the the seasons after and the cover and realised that there was one key character missing <laughs> and realised that something must have happened. So it is hard. I've also just realised I did a live Google while you were talking. Gossip Girl didn't finish 10 years ago so my own rule doesn't apply here. It finished in December 2012 so technically I should still have another almost two years before I reveal who Gossip Girl was. Still... It was Serena. I still... It wasn't fucking Serena. <laughs> but that's even a spoiler to say it's not Serena. Well, it could be like a reverse, reverse, reverse psychology thing. Ooh. What's the biggest spoiler you've ever had? Have you ever had a big one? No, I <laughs> tend to be the spoiler. <laughs> I remember like sometimes when my siblings used to watch television shows, I used to Google what had happened and just drop it in conversation and then pretend that it's reverse psychology that, well, it might not happen. Maybe I've just guessed. You still don't know. Do you remember when we worked at a digital media publication that publication revealed who had won Eurovision and there was this one reader who hadn't watched Eurovision yet and was irate that we had published a news story about the winner of Eurovision before this person had gotten home from work and had a chance to watch. That person (laughs) proceeded to leave like awful abusive messages on every news article and every podcast that publication put out being like, how dare you spoil Eurovision for me? I mean, some people really care about Eurovision. Actually, in the first week or two of me dating Ollie, I remember he went to watch A Star Is Born and I am not going to spoil it now because I really don't want this podcast (laughs) for spoilers but I said for anyone who's seen that movie I just came out and said exactly what happens at the end because I thought it was like this funny kind of flirty dry thing to do and he just stared at me and was like what have you done? <laughs> and then he still proceeded to watch it because I don't think he realised whether I was being serious or not. And I was. My dad also spoiled that for me. I know that it was a movie that was around like decades ago, but my dad, we sat at coffee. I was about to go watch that film that night. And dad said, there's this really obvious thing in the movie that gives the ending away. And then told me what the obvious thing was. And I was shattered and then sat through the entire movie being like, well, fuck, there's the obvious thing. And now I know exactly what the ending is. Yeah. I want people to call the hotline. What is the worst spoiler you've ever been given? And tell us the story without actually giving the spoiler so that we don't like make a whole bunch of listeners irate. But I do think it is something that affects people very emotionally. So Hermani, I am sorry. Like I said, email us. We will send you a gift. And as well, what is the statute of limitations on spoilers? How long do we have to give people before we throw caution to the wind and just reveal all the answers? Also good. Give us a call. We are at shamelessthepodcast.com slash hotline. You can record your message there. You might find yourself on the show next week. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Hermani. Should we get into today's first? Let's do it. We are starting, of course, with Scott Disick and another one of his teenage girlfriends. Scott Disick only dates teenagers. Like, I don't know what's going on, but ever since Scott left or broke up with Kourtney Kardashian, the mother of his three children, Mm. he has taken a keen interest in exclusively dating women under the age of 20. If the name Scott Disick sounds familiar, but you don't know who we're talking about, he's like on the periphery of the Kardashian clan. He's in most of the Keeping Up With The Kardashian seasons. He dated Kourtney Kardashian, cheated on her, went through some substance abuse issues, got back with Kourtney Kardashian, broke up again. It's been a whole drama, guys. The best thing about Scott Disick is his son, Mason Disick. And you may remember Mason. He's that (laughs) hilarious guy who... Guy, he's like twelve. Hilarious guy. <laughs> he's a hilarious guy on TikTok who always just like spills shit about the Kardashians without his parents knowing. <laughs> and he does like Q and A's and stuff that are live on Instagram. So that's the best part of the Disick family. We're talking about Scott Disick again today, Mitch, because as you say, he's da- 
dating another teenager. Her name is Amelia. She is 19 and she is the daughter of Real Housewives star Lisa Rinna. Now, normally I think a 37-year-old dating a 19-year-old, yeah, it makes a headline, but when it's like your third or fourth teenage girlfriend in a row, is this when we start talking about it properly? Yeah, Scott Disick officially has form. So in 2017, he dated Bella Thorne. At that time, she was only 18 years old. He then moved on from Bella Thorne to Sophia Ritchie. She was also 18 when they started dating in 2017. They dated for a few years, actually. They split up in 2020. He was briefly linked, guys, to a 24-year-old, Bella Banis, last year. He took her Grandma, to, Bella. <laughs> took her to Costa Rica. But that was brief, and he moved on with 19-year-old model Amelia Hamlin. That is exactly where we are right now. And I want to ask, like, is this odd? And do we have the right to talk about it? I think if... 37-year-old Scott Disick just happened to date and fall in love with someone who was born in the 2000s. I might raise an eyebrow, but I'd also be like, you know what? Love is blind. Love knows no bounds. Love isn't based on age. If he's dated three teenagers in a row and he's a father of three kids born in what? 1983? Fuck yes, I think it's strange and I absolutely think it's something to talk about. What is it with him only being attracted to teens? Yeah, it's so weird. And this is the interesting thing. This is not an argument for age gaps. I know plenty of people in very happy relationships with big age gaps. These are consenting adults who have found love and defied age barriers. And there was an interesting tweet that I wanted to draw attention to that I saw on Twitter, Mish, that said, I hate that people are so ageist. (laughs) What does it matter that Scott Disick is 37 and dating a 19-year-old? You all need to stop being so close-minded and ignorant. I've been dating someone double my age since I was 21. It is not about individual circumstance, nor is it about individual age gaps. It's a pattern of behavior, isn't it? And that's what I think matters. And I just, it gives me the ick a bit. I wish I could be a bit more articulate than just saying it gives me the (laughs) ick a bit. It absolutely gives me the ick. I'm also judgy. Like, I know people are going to come for me and say, don't be judgy, let people live their lives. And believe me, these girls, go live your life, whatever. If you're in love with Scott Disick, that's fine. But for Scott Disick to date exclusively women who are half his age makes me judge Scott Disick because it truly makes me think at 37 or 38 years old with three kids, should you be finding 18-year-olds romantically interesting? Like, really, do you find them intellectually stimulating? Do you find them fascinating from like a mutual standpoint or are you attracted to the dynamic of feeling like you are more powerful than the women you date and if that's the case I don't really like you very much. Well, I have to agree with you. It's absolutely about power. It's interesting. There was a study that I read in the Irish Times that said in 2018, the Science Advances Journal, and spoiler alert, this is really depressing, published a study about the aspirational pursuit of mates within online dating. Researchers looked at nearly 200,000 hetero users and found that while men's sexual desirability peaks at age 50, women hit their (laughs) prime at 18. I don't know why I just can't (laughs) It's just like, I think I'm just tired today. I'm tired always. And so I'm wait, just like, we peak at 18 and then it's a steady downhill decline. From and but there. men peak at 50. <laughs> it would be different if they said men peak at 30, like sure, but they peak at 50 apparently. 200,000 pool of hetero users in this study. What the fuck is wrong with the world? I can't even like, I think there are so many examples of this stuff in the news, in the zeitgeist, particularly in the pop culture sort of space that we work in, that I think anger just passes me and I just sort of can't not look at this and piss myself. It's fucking ridiculous. (laughs) The world is ridiculous. A small tidbit to add to this story before we move on. Kourtney Kardashian has also fallen in love. On Valentine's Day, she went official with her new boyfriend, Travis Barker. Who is Travis Barker, Zara? Blink-182. Yes. Okay, I'm very impressed. I, are you kidding? I loved Blink-182 when I was younger. I didn't think you'd know that. He is, of course, the former drummer from Blink-182. I love the, like, noughties nostalgia going on with Kourtney Kardashian That right is now. an interesting pairing. I didn't know that. I was too busy sitting here in my <laughs> smugness about knowing who Travis Barker was. I'm sitting here in my despair that I'm officially, what, eight years past my use-by date. Eight years ago, yeah, I hit my peak. <laughs> 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 I'm approaching my 10-year anniversary of my peak. We should upload photos of us at 18 if that is our fucking peak because if that's my peak god help me coming up after the break justin timberlake apologizes to britney spears and janet jackson and then a big bumper segment on the bondi paps but first a word from today's sponsor 
And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle Elizabeth peaked it. 18 Andrews, what have you got for me? My first story. Justin Timberlake apologises to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson. That is from ABC. Guys, if you missed this, Justin did take to his Instagram account on Sunday morning Australian time and wrote, I have seen the messages, tags, comments and concerns and I want to respond. I am deeply sorry for the times in my life where my actions contributed to the problem where I spoke out of turn or did not speak up for what was right. I understand that I fell short in these moments and in many others and benefited from a system that condones misogyny and racism. What I found interesting about this apology, Mitch, because I wasn't necessarily expecting it at all mm. is that he came out and said, I specifically want to apologize to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson both individually because I care for and respect these women and I know I failed. The industry is flawed. It sets men, especially white men, up for success. As a man in a privileged position, I have to be vocal about this because of my ignorance. I didn't recognize it for all it was while it was happening in my own life, but I do not want to ever benefit from others being pulled down again. I mean, as I said before, I actually wasn't necessarily expecting him to address this very mm specifically were you no not really but if you guys missed last week's episode you've heard this apology and you're wondering what exactly happened we did discuss it last week that it was the anniversary of the Super Bowl on Feb 7 which always Zara reinvigorates a conversation about Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake's live halftime show performance and Nipplegate it was also a week where the New York Times released their Framing Britney Spears documentary which definitely painted Justin Timberlake in a pretty bad light, to be honest. It showed him to be someone who profited from their breakup, who intentionally tried to depict Britney Spears as a cheater, who used a Britney Spears lookalike in one of his future music videos to, I guess, ridicule her. And slut shame. To ridicule, slut shame and pour fire on the Britney controversy at the time. Yeah, absolutely. It is really interesting how kind of varied the responses are to this apology. I mean, you and I can't really sit here and say for one way or another whether it was necessarily a good thing that he's done this or whether it's an apology to be accepted. I think that's absolutely up to Janet Jackson and Britney Spears as to whether this is an apology that they appreciate or not. Mm. At the time of recording, neither have responded. And that is like nearly three days after he's released this apology. So just by reading that, I think for them, it may be too little too late. Yeah. I wonder if Britney has the ability to even respond. Like there are still question marks over whether Britney even has access to her own social media accounts if they are run by her team, which is effectively run by her father. As far as Janet Jackson, goes though she did respond to her fans she put out a video earlier this week that basically said I love you guys thank you for the support I see you I hear you I'm very very grateful she did not mention Justin Timberlake or his apology though which I would say is answer enough that perhaps this apology has come too little too late for Janet Jackson I do want to read out though some of the responses from our own listeners because we saw this is obviously the big story that it is and on Sunday morning we did put it up on our Instagram story basically to say look guys this just happened. And some of the DMs we got in response were so varied. I think it really paints a picture as to how divided people are when it comes to Justin Timberlake and this particular apology. Can I read you out the different... Please go for it. Great. So listener Abby said, this is what a real non-gaslighting productive apology looks like. Alexandra said, so shit, why did it take a documentary for him to apologise? Elaine said, glad he's done it, but too little too late in my opinion. He's had 17 years to say something like this and reflect on his actions. He's only apologising now because he's been called out. Dana said, wow, I think this is a really good apology. He isn't vague and addresses both women specifically and admits his fault and ignorance. He's not making excuses. Then listener Jasmine just wrote, ew, fake. (laughs) (laughs) The spectrum was pretty intense and I think it speaks to how widely this story has been covered and how many layers there are to it. I mean, we'll watch this space, won't we, to see if Brittany or Janet respond, but I think it's pretty safe to say if they haven't responded now, they probably won't in the future. Yeah, and ultimately it's their apology to accept or reject, not ours. Exactly. My second story, Olivia Wilde gushes about Harry Styles in new Instagram post. That is from Vulture. 
What a story. So a bit of context here. Cast and crew just finished filming Don't Worry Darling on Monday, which is Olivia Wilde's film. I think it's some sort of psychological thriller starring Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. This movie, more than any others, has been on my social media feed and in the news during filming. And Mm. I think it's a couple of things. Firstly, it's quite a feat given COVID that they have been able to shoot a whole movie in a climate like this. Secondly, of course, Olivia Wilde is reportedly dating Harry Styles, which is naturally going to garner a bit of publicity. And she went on Instagram this week once filming had wrapped up, posted a photo of Harry Styles and wrote the following. Little known fact, most male actors don't want to play supporting roles in female-led films. The industry has raised them to believe it lessens their power, i.e. financial value, to accept these roles, which is one of the reasons it's so hard to get financing for movies focusing on female stories. No joke, it's hard to find actors who recognise why it might be worth it to allow for a woman to hold the spotlight. Enter Harry Styles, our Jack. Not only did he relish the opportunity to allow for the brilliant Florence Pugh to hold centre stage as our Alice, but he infused every scene with a nuanced sense of humanity. He didn't have to join our circus, but he jumped on board with humility and grace and blew us away every day with his talent, warmth and ability to drive backwards. Wow. They are really pushing this PR narrative that they're together. Like, I understand the admiration for Harry Styles, but Olivia Wilde knows that this is a massive story. There are paps trying to get shots of them together, like walking down the street holding hands. There are headlines this week that they're moving in together. They are a hot commodity as a couple. Very interesting that she's fanning the flames of that speculation. Yeah, I feel a bit weird about it because I want to believe that it's a very genuine loving relationship. But when it's kind of thrust in our faces in this way to promote a movie, I believe it less and I want to believe it more. You and I do often throw around like the label of just PR relationship or PR stunt though. If this was a PR stunt that they were trying to profit off and use as publicity for the movie, wouldn't they come out as a couple in the weeks before the movie premieres? I mean, there is such a time gap between a movie wrapping up filming and all the editing and production and marketing that goes into it. If this was a PR stunt, they would be revealing their relationship down the track. This is why I feel interesting about it because I don't think it's a stunt. I don't think it's a stunt at all. I think that they are probably together. I just think now they're spinning it to work in their favour. And is there a problem with that? Absolutely not. But I just feel a bit, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, sue me, honestly sue me. I don't know why I'm unhappy about any of this. Good luck to Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. They're just, they're leaning in. Yeah, they're very much leaning in. They're opting into the hype, which I kind of love. And also Harry Styles, good on him. I didn't know that about the industry honestly before reading this caption I had never thought about it the reason we see so few female-led films is because so few male actors actually want to put their hand up and act in them and take that supporting role when they're so conditioned to want the lead role so good on him once again He's just the best. And good on Olivia Wilde for pointing it out, I guess. (laughs) My third story, Nicki Minaj's father killed by a hit and run driver. That is from 7news.com.au. You guys might have missed this one. A bit of an interesting one because it really popped up in the news cycle and then went away really quite quickly. Late last week, Saturday Australian time, Robert Mirage, who is Nicki Minaj's father, was 64 when he was struck and killed by a car in Long Island, New York. Yeah, so it was, as you said in the headline, Mish, a hit and run. At the time of recording, police still haven't found the person that did this. I think the reason this story is so layered is because Nicki Minaj hasn't actually spoken publicly about her dad's death because she has been open about this strained relationship in the past, particularly between her mother and her father. She told Rolling Stone in 2010, when I first came to America, I would go in my room and kneel down at the foot of my bed and pray that God would make me rich so that I could take care of my mother. Because I always felt like if I took care of my mother, my mother wouldn't have to stay with my father. And he was the one at that time that was bringing us pain. Yeah, this is dark. When you read the quotes that Nicki Minaj has given about her father for over a decade now, she has even accused him of trying to burn their family home down while she and her mother were inside. She seems like she was incredibly fearful of this man. She accuses him of being incredibly abusive and toxic and it really does seem like she hasn't spoken to him in a very very long time neither has her mother so that does go a decent way to explaining why she doesn't really want to speak about this and totally fair enough my fourth story australian magazine claims split as harry and megan announce pregnancy that is from the 
Guardian and good God, I love this story. I love this story. It hasn't been a good week for old mate, new idea. (laughs) They published a front page on Monday morning implying that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle had split and they did it in the way that they always do, Mish. They had that sort of rip zigzag through the middle of their front cover and sort of two heads on a bit of an angle, like clearly going their separate ways. It was unfortunate timing, of course, because as we all know now on Monday, it was announced Australian time that Meghan and Harry are pregnant with their second child. Whoever New Ideas sources, probably just a junior journalist making shit up on the fly, <laughs> clearly got it very, very wrong. How embarrassing to publish this the morning that their pregnancy announcement comes out. Congratulations are in order to the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. They are, of course, pregnant. They announced as such with a gorgeous garden side. Garden side, is that a thing? I mean, because they're, they're not so- beside the garden, they're within the garden. Garden-centric? Yeah. Garden-centric sure. shot of like Megan lying down on the grass with her head in Harry's lap. They're both laughing. She's got a beautiful baby bump. It is very reminiscent of the final scene in Notting Hill for anyone who loves the 1999 film that is my favourite film ever. The best film of all time. Harry is also barefoot, which I don't think we've ever seen Harry's feet, which is obviously <laughs> not the focus of the photo. But it's very rare you'll see the twist of a royal. <laughs> I don't ever say twitsies on this podcast. It's actually again. one of my favourite new words. No. Anyway, I did want to make one note, which is very sweet, that the couple did follow in the footsteps of Princess Diana, who also used Valentine's Day to announce she was pregnant with Harry in 1984. Aww. I do want to take aim at the British tabloids just for one second. Oh, I think it might have been The Sun or something akin to The Sun who published a headline basically saying, woman who hates publicity or woman who wants her privacy announces her pregnancy to 7 billion people via major announcement. And I kind of want to talk to that for a second. If Meghan and Harry didn't take control of the narrative and announce this pregnancy in a way that suits them and that they are comfortable with, are we really dreaming and thinking that paparazzi wouldn't hunt them down? We are insatiable for news about Meghan and Harry. In what world can they not announce a pregnancy? We would destroy them if they didn't announce their pregnancy because people would hound them until they had shots to prove it. Yeah, and also we'd imply that they're hiding something, that something's really sus about it. Like why aren't they sharing it with the world? I mean, the British tabloids are trash. We know that. And (laughs) Meghan Markle did actually win her case against the British tabloids last week about privacy. So that's one win for her and a loss for the others. It's probably why they're a bit you know, bitter. My fifth and final story for today's Quick and Dirty, Johnny Galecki leaves cheeky comment on Kaylee Cuoco's Valentine's Day post. That is from news.com.au. You are taking this one, Zara McDonald, because you fought for this to be in today's Quick and Dirty. it's funny. It's funny. Kaylee Cuoco on Valentine's Day uploaded a photo to Instagram with her husband, I think, and wrote the caption, happy five years to the weirdest person I know. I don't remember a moment before you entered my life. What a boring life that must have been. (laughs) I love you, Mr. Tank Cook. Johnny Galecki, who used to date Kaylee Kawoko, just commented on the photo saying, um, the comment <laughs> garnered over 7,400 likes with Kuoko responding, lol, in capital letters. Like, it's just stupid. It's my favourite type of pettiness, couples that sort of like new couples that act like they've never experienced love before, which also may be fair, but like say it on Instagram so their ex can see, like never experienced love like this. And it's like... The poor ex who has to watch this shit. Can I just fact check one thing as well? I know that his handle is at Mr. Tank Cook when you read that out. His name's not Tank, in case anyone's wondering. His name is Carl Cook. Don't know why his thing is Mr. Tank. Oh, that's okay. I never take handles literally. Do you? Well, I read that and I was like, as if Kaylee Kuoko's husband's name is Tank. Tank. Who's called Tank? <laughs> you know what? There might be a Tank listening to this. And if there is, <laughs> thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all I've got about tanking Kaylee. My ears are bleeding. <sighs> Thank you, next bitch. This week, we interviewed former Married at First Sight star Martha Califatidis, and towards the end of the interview, we had a discussion about the Bondi paparazzi. Martha said she rarely swam at the beach at Bondi for fear of being papped without her knowledge and argued the paps there are ruthless and relentless. News outlets picked up the story, but not quite in the way we would hope. They were snarky, sexist, and insinuated that Martha was self-obsessed and that the paps don't really care about her anyway. But they do. The proof is in a Google search. 
much. So why did the media react so nastily to this relatively innocuous conversation? What is it about a woman lambasting the paparazzi that people feel so snarky about? And why wouldn't we just believe her? Mish, I want to get into all of the media commentary and unpack what's happened this week. But the first place I want to start with is what might be a common misconception or cause of cynicism about paparazzi shots and reality stars that listeners might have right now. Yeah, I think we absolutely need to address the cynics in the room because I know there will be many of them. In fact, even in myself, sometimes when I read headlines about female celebrities and the paparazzi, I kind of feel this like snark response creeping up in me or this like disbelief initially to Mm. any headline that I've read. But I think it's really important for us to actually kind of lay out exactly the state of the paparazzi economy around the world, but also in Australia. If you hear the word paparazzi photo or paparazzo and you conflate that with set up pap shots, you're probably not looking at the industry in an accurate way. Of course, lots of pap shots are set up. Like we absolutely accept that. Some celebrities have built brands off the back of set up pap shots. Kim Kardashian would be front and centre in that conversation. It is well known that Kim Kardashian in the early stages of her career set up almost every pap shot she got. She would take about 40% of the revenue from those pap shots and make an income from it. She would also supposedly have final say on what shots ended up in the media, that she would work with photographers, she would proof the photos, potentially edit some of the photos and then approve them to be released to the public to kind of curate this image. Kim Kardashian has even hinted strongly towards this before. If you guys go and watch a video Kim did with Vogue in 2019 where she looks back at her most iconic fashion looks. She admits that she used the paparazzi, as did Kanye West, for the launch of one of his biggest Yeezy campaigns. Do you remember when Yeezy came out with like tracks and sweats and that whole look with like heels and crop tops? That was entirely using pap shots. So Kim and Kanye really orchestrated that movement and that trend via set up paparazzi shots. Yeah, and they aren't the only ones that have done it. I mean, locally, and these are conversations we've had on the podcast before, reality stars have been known to set up pap shots because they know that their kind of time in the spotlight is finite and they might as well get as much out of it as they can. And it benefits both the paparazzo and the reality star. It's good for the reality star's career. It's good for the paparazzo's wallet. And there's a lot of money changing hands. For the purpose of today's discussion, though, we are not talking about set up pap shots. I think anyone with a mildly trained eye can tell the difference between a set up pap shot and a pap shot that's legitimate, I guess. Mm. And the difference is, do they look like they're really close? Is this a flattering photo? Are they laughing? Are they smiling? Is this a random spot that they've been caught out in? Mm. Basically, the telltale sign that something is set up is, is this celebrity, first of all, joined by another vaguely famous person (laughs) on the street? Are these vaguely famous people grinning as they walk down the street for no clear reason or like having the time of their (laughs) life just walking to dinner or lunch or whatever? Or does it look like this person genuinely doesn't know their photo is being taken and perhaps isn't posing? If a person is in the media and shots of them are being sold around and they don't look their best, you can probably bet that they didn't even know a paparazzo was watching them. If a celebrity isn't looking their best, it's not a set-up shot. All the ones where they look amazing, yes, I'll put my hand up, (laughs) probably set-up. And I think this is what we wanted to talk to Martha about in our In Conversation episode on Monday. If you haven't listened to the episode, we had a conversation about what I said in the intro about the fact that she is hounded by paparazzi at Bondi Beach. And if you do a quick Google search, you will see that none of those photos are set up. She says they are often not flattering, they don't get her best angle, and that she does feel they are pretty relentless. What I find interesting about the minute we had this conversation is that people started covering the conversation. And the first people that did so were the Daily Mail. They ran this headline, Mish. Martha's paparazzi whinge. Married at first sight bride says photographers have made her afraid to go out in Bondi despite paying astronomical rent to live there. But Hollywood star Hugh Jackman seems to cope just fine. Mm. If you'll allow me, this is a pretty big paragraph and I'm probably going to lose my breath, but I do want to read out the tone of this because I think it is snarky and sexist and we would never have this conversation about a male. So this is what the Daily Mail proceeded to write. The social media influencer told the Shameless podcast that living in Bondi Beach, Sydney's paparazzi hotspot, means she's always looking over her shoulder. However, her attitude is rather perplexing given that major Hollywood stars such as Hugh Jackman have been able to cultivate a friendly and professional relationship with photographers in Bondi over the years. The former makeup artist even claims she can't just go out to the store anymore. 
Martha went on to complain about a recent paparazzi set, which she said made her look like a swamp monster. In reality, she looked perfectly fine. Then she made the extraordinary claim that she's so hypervigilant I can hear the cameras shutter from a distance, which is almost impossible. Martha's woe-is-me attitude is in stark contrast to genuine A-list celebrities in Australia, many of whom have a convivial relationship with the Paps. Hugh Jackman, who owns a house in Bondi, said on the Ellen DeGeneres show in 2018 that he cuts an informal deal with local snappers whenever he's in Sydney. I have a thing with the paparazzi. It's weird. Down in Australia, they'll come to me and they all know me at this point and I'll say to them, okay, guys, what do you need? So much in this that I want to unpack, Mish. Can we start first with the inference that Martha and women like Martha in Australia who complain about the paparazzi, it's not only Martha, it's basically any woman who is in the public eye who lives in Sydney and is a big name. One that comes to mind is Sam Armitage, who yep. is on Channel 7's Sunrise program, who a few years ago had headlines about her granny panties in the media when pap shots were published on her. I find it fascinating that the Daily Mail, while simultaneously publishing these photographs of women, making money off the backs of Martha Califatidis and Sam Armitage, is also pushing the narrative that the paps don't care about these women and that this issue is entirely in these women's heads. This was a headline that was run last week. That's awkward. Married at first sight star Martha Califatidis hides from the paparazzi under a towel in Bondi Beach, but they were really there to photograph A-list model Lara Bingle. They sell us on this like, oh, Martha's got tickets on herself. Martha thinks the paps are there for her when they're there for a legitimate A-list star, which is bullshit because the Daily Mail is taking photographs of Martha Kalatidis. <laughs> the reason we're reading this article is because you've taken a photo of her and published it at the beach. And it is bullshit to me that they are trying to push this narrative that Martha is self-obsessed when in reality she's bang on the money. She's putting a towel on her head because a photographer is positioning a camera at her face and clicking the shutter and taking shots that he will then sell to the Daily Mail. Yeah, they're completely gaslighting her. It's sick. It's actually a bit sick because firstly, the snarky tone of all of these articles can absolutely get fucked. It's so rude and it's so snarky. Secondly, as you say, they are obsessed with her. They pap her all the fucking time. All you have to do is put her name in Google and go through all the Daily Mail articles. Either they're writing up ridiculous articles about her Instagram page because they know she gets clicks or they're chasing her around Bondi trying to publish photos of her. They're so obsessed with her, Mish, that all you have to do is look at the interview that we published with her and see that they've already published like two or three articles off the back of one interview because they want three separate sets of clicks. Mm. They are so obsessed with her. And I think the third thing that really pissed me off about this article is the comparison between Martha and Hugh. It feels very, very charged to me. He's like this nice guy versus this complaining woman. And I think in what world are we going to sit here and pretend that paparazzi treats women and men in the same way? Like in what world are we going to pretend that this is apples and apples? It's apples and oranges. And it is women. It is women that are chased by paparazzi. And it's women that the Daily Mail are snarky about when they complain about paparazzi. I mean, I did one scan on Tuesday afternoon, Mish. I was on the Daily Mail. I was on the sidebar of shame. And I said, I want to see who they've papped recently, just in this one snapshot of time. Mm. This is the names that I got. Fiona Faulkner, Beck Hewitt, Catherine McPhee, who I don't know who that is, <laughs> Cara Delevingne, Lara Worthington, Pip Edwards, Rita Ora, Christina Aguilera, and there was one guy, Gavin Rossdale, Chris <laughs> Stefani's ex. It was like eight or nine women compared to one man. So to bring this comparison between Hugh Jackman being this nice kind of congenial guy who's easy with the paparazzi and Martha whinging is just apples and oranges to me. Absolutely. Even the way they try and kind of massage certain feelings out of us with their headlines, like they continually go after women. They continually try to position women as greedy, as too rich sometimes. Always too rich. Yeah, as obsessed with themselves. One headline that got me yesterday, these were pap shots of Samantha Armitage, which again, absolutely not set up, absolutely would have taken Sam by surprise when she saw them published yesterday. This was the headline. Samantha Armitage flashes her stunning engagement and wedding rings as she catches up with Channel 7 producer Sarah Stinson after her surprise New Year's Eve wedding. Even that flashes her engagement and wedding rings. A woman just wearing the rings that anyone wears when they are married to their husband or to their wife is suddenly 
flashing them. Like I know it's subtle and I know it's nitpicking, but what does this kind of messaging do? It informs us that Sam Armitage is flashy and flaunting her wealth. When in reality, this was a woman sipping on a green juice, meeting a friend for brunch, wearing her wedding rings that she would wear every day of the week. This is what gets me because I don't think it's nitpicking at all. I think it's like, Jamil, this is the kind of stuff that Jamila Jamil pushes on her Instagram mm. all the time. Like be hyper aware of the language that is used about women, the photos that are used about women and how women are positioned in articles like this because it completely informs the conversations that we have in society that are full to the brim of internalised misogyny. And I would argue this story about Martha that's been picked up by everyone is brimming with internalised misogyny. It was also picked up by pedestrian and I think I was more disappointed in this article than I was the Daily Mail one Mish because pedestrian has been a great champion for a lot of people and a lot of minorities in the past but this article really riled me up they wrote maths Martha has a bitch about pap stalking her and Bondi swears she doesn't call them on herself the article started by talking about Martha's conversation about Married at First Sight specifically and they wrote, the hosts asked Martha what it was about the show that surprised her and she said it's the setup shots. Reality TV is staged. Get out of town. They went on to write, the discussion then turned to what it's like being followed by paps and have a go at this one, will ya? With a slab of text about her talking about how uncomfortable it makes her. I'm mad at this one because in the same week Pedestrian is writing an article like this that is talking about Martha having a bitch, that is talking about, oh, have a go at this, will ya? How ridiculous is this? They're also running stuff lamenting the media's treatment of Britney Spears. Everyone in the media right now is lamenting how intense the focus on Britney was, how fucked the paparazzi were, how little empathy we had for Britney. And, I mean, look, Mish, they ran this headline four days ago. This ACA interview with Britney Spears from 2001 has resurfaced and holy fuck it is not good. Now I'm hardly going to sit here and pretend that Britney Spears and Martha Califatidis are on the same kind of level of fame or scrutiny Mm. but I am going to sit here and saying if you have someone in real time saying the prying eye of the paps is too much and that the concept of having grown men hunting unsuspecting women is problematic then why do you refuse to listen to them? Like why is she a joke to you? Why Mm. is this a joke to you? Why don't any of us accept this discourse as part of the problem? Why aren't we using this Britney story in particular to have a smart conversation now about the paparazzi economy. Instead, Mm. we're publishing snarky, sexist hit pieces about former reality stars as if they're a joke and shouldn't be taken seriously. Mm. Was that pedestrian piece as well written under no byline? I find that to be really cowardly. I love pedestrian. I've said it a million times on this show before, but I don't know what is going on with the snark right now. Like if you are penning a piece that you then feel like you need to take your name off and put pedestrian stuff because you know it's nasty, maybe don't write it like that. Maybe keep in mind that yes, Martha benefits a lot from the privilege of being a beautiful woman who was on a reality television show who has now built an incredible career off the back of it and has a huge Instagram following. Does that make her deserving of having seedy middle-aged men follow her around, take photos of her and profit off her image? I think the other thing that was really interesting about this article in particular is the insinuation early in the article that Martha was fine when it was middle-aged men photographing her on Married at First Sight but suddenly has an issue with middle-aged men photographing her who are paparazzi. And it's like I actually would be shook if a woman wrote this article, to be totally honest with you, Mm. because this screams of a complete lack of nuance. It is one thing to sign up to a reality show and say I'm consenting to X, Y and Z to being filmed at all hours of the day and that's what my contract says. It's another thing entirely to be walking down the street and to be papped by people you don't know at times that you're not aware. Mm. And to conflate those two things is stupid. It's also like a complete lack of empathy. Surely anyone listening to this right now can relate to the feeling of hating having your photo taken when you're not prepared for it. I know it's not the same thing, but my dad loves a (laughs) candid shot. If we sit down together, no matter what, no matter how I'm looking, no matter what's going on, my dad will pull out his phone and take shots at me. I hate the feeling. I've expressed this to him. My siblings have as well. Absolutely adore you, dad. But I hate the feeling of having my photo taken when I am not dressed or done up in a way where I'm comfortable for the photo to exist. If I feel that way with my dad, I cannot imagine how it would feel to be walking down the street living my life and have a random man, and they are all men, they are always men, which is another interesting thing for people to consider, taking my photo when I'm not ready for it. 
Think about that. Think about it if it happened to you. I know we come so hard for influencers and celebrities. We so rarely give women in the public eye the benefit of the doubt. But think about this if it were you. If you were living today and someone took your shot on the street and then sold it to a newspaper, made money off you and intentionally tried to make you look the worst you can in a photo, would you be happy with it? Then imagine the additional layer of having progressive publications like Pedestrian jump on board and call you a whinger for calling that out for exactly what it is. Everyone's gaslighting her. The entire media is gaslighting her. And I just, I know I brought up the Britney example, but it's fucking wild to me that we're in a climate now where we're looking back now saying, fuck, we were really bad. We need to be better. Hardly realising that half of us are perpetuating the same stuff now to Mm. just unsuspecting different people. I mean, the older I get, the more problems with the pap economy I have, Mish. In 2018, you and I actually interviewed a pap for the podcast Mm. and have since pulled it down. I think we pulled it down within months because I'm not proud of interviewing someone who's part of that industry. I mean, I think at the time we wanted to kind of have some sort of understanding about the people that do this for a job Mm. but the older I get the more angry I get yeah we sat down in that interview in 2018 being like it might be interesting to hear the other side of the story like we kind of want to grill this guy and get answers to the questions that we have but like what possible answers could make this understandable what answers could anyone give us that make it okay to stalk women and sell their photos? I don't think there is one. And for the people listening to this who are feeling snarky towards Martha or read these headlines and kind of opt into the bullshit and gaslighting narrative that she is self-obsessed when in reality she's just someone who is hunted by paparazzi, I think it's important to catch yourself out. Like it's so easy to bend to this kind of rhetoric. It's so easy for your gut response to be snarky and bitchy and mean. It's a lot more difficult to actually have compassion for people. And I think it is important to have compassion here. I think it is important to walk a mile in someone's shoes in this instance. And I think it is important not to click on these articles. Ultimately, they benefit off your click, they profit off your click, and the less you give it to them, hopefully, the less these articles will surface. Yeah, and it might be too simplistic for us to sit here and say, well, why does the paparazzi economy exist and why do they always take photos of women? Because the reality is we're never going to be able to stop that. But what we can do in having a conversation like this is to say, well, if these photos are going to be taken and if a woman is going to be hunted at about eight times the rate than a male reality star, then at the very least, at the very least, at the bare minimum, we can listen to them when they say it's not the easiest thing to go through. That is all for today's episode, I think. If you have thoughts on this, we would love for you to call our hotline. We said it at the top of the episode, but we are at shamelessthepodcast.com slash hotline. We also, Zara, we don't speak about this very often on the podcast, but we do have a newsletter. If you are looking for some written content in your life, if you want some recommendations, we drop a newsletter every Friday morning. So if you're listening on a Thursday, you can subscribe today and get our newsletter in your inbox tomorrow. That's also on our website. If you head to shamelessthepodcast.com, you'll be able to subscribe. Nice one. Nice plug. On Instagram, we are at Shameless Podcast. On Facebook, we are Shameless Book Club. We will be back in your ears on Monday with another In Conversation. Bye, guys. Bye. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.